Well, good morning once again, Bell Shoals family. My name is Corey Abney and I serve as the lead pastor. Especially wanna welcome those of you who are with us maybe for the first time today. Always wanna welcome those of you who are tuning in online uh, across West Central Florida and uh, across the country. We are in a teaching series called Impossible where we are looking at some of the impossible aspects of the Christmas story, at least from a human perspective. We're looking at how God is working in the world now 2,000 years ago in a way that on a human level we would deem impossible. Last week we looked at Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, one of the highest ranking angels in existence coming to Zechariah and Elizabeth, a couple who were up in years to inform them that they would have a son and that this son would be the forerunner to the coming of Messiah. Now, now in that incredible, impossible exchange, Zechariah, who, as I told you last week, would qualify for our Leading the Way ministry, which is our 60 and up ministry here at Bell Shoals. Zechariah, who would qualify for our leading the way ministry, was very, very skeptical. He, he exercised significant doubt that this could happen because he and his wife were a part of leading the way and uh, he just did not see a way that this could happen. But he learns very quickly that our God is the God of the possible, not the impossible, right? And... Sure enough, his wife conceives and she's carrying a son who is the forerunner of the Messiah. Now that reminds me actually of something that happened this week on Tuesday night. Our Leading the Way ministry got together for their Christmas party. And there was fun to be had and food and activities and all the rest. You know what they didn't have at our Leading the Way Christmas party this week? Pregnancy announcements. No one was going around handing out baby shower invitations. And so that gives you a sense of Zechariah's awe as Gabriel appears to him and is like, you and your wife are going to have a son. Haven't been able to have any children up to this point in their marriage. Now they're going to have a son. And Zechariah is like, this is impossible. And Gabriel has to remind him that, yes, on a human level, it is impossible. But with our God, all things are possible. And so sure enough, that happens. It's a reminder to us that as God is working in the world, he works in the world at times in a miraculous way. Now, the true nature of a miracle is something that defies the natural order of the world. I know sometimes we think of certain things as miracles, right? We refer to various things as miracles. A true miracle properly understood is the reversal of the natural order that is intrinsic in the world in which we live, right? And this is what's happening with Zechariah and Elizabeth. We are way beyond the natural order here for her to have a son. But sure enough, now she's pregnant. She's carrying this son. And then we learn in Luke chapter 1 that Gabriel's not done with his announcements. There's a second aspect of this 
impossible mission that he has with, from a human perspective, impossible announcements as Gabriel makes his way to a young girl named Mary. Uh, let me show you to you just after the Zechariah Elizabeth exchange as Gabriel now comes to Mary, Luke chapter 1 beginning in verses 26 and 27. Notice we're told now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. Now she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, there is a lot packed into this. First of all, let me just highlight that Joseph was a direct descendant of King David. This is important because the, the Jewish people are waiting for the Messiah to come through the line of David. This has been prophesied. We know that the Messianic king will come through the Davidic line. And sure enough, we see here Joseph, Mary's husband, is in fact connected to the direct lineage of David. We also learn here that Gabriel appears to Mary six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy. And up to this point, what we see is that Elizabeth has kept this pregnancy kind of under wraps. We're, we're, we're not privy to all of the conversations that would happen, of course, between Elizabeth and Zechariah, but we do know the scripture tells us that Elizabeth is keeping this pregnancy quiet until the appropriate time. And now Gabriel comes about six months in to Elizabeth's pregnancy to inform Mary that God has a work for her as well. And so about this period of time, we get this, again, this passing about six months, then, then Gabriel goes to Mary, who we are told is from Nazareth. This is another very, very important detail. Nazareth during the first century was a rural country, hole in the wall, not a one stoplight town, maybe, maybe a one stop sign town. <laughs> At the time that Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth, the little community would have had several hundred people living there. Poor, uneducated, farming people. This is a small, insignificant town. And people in, in the first century associated with this society were largely known by where they came from and who their families were. It's a little bit different in terms of how we identify people today. Our society's much different. Back then, kind of where you come from and who you come from were the most important aspects about you. For instance, if your father was a farmer, you were gonna be a, fa a farmer. If your father was a carpenter, you were gonna be a carpenter. If your father was a fisherman, you were gonna be a fisherman. So we are so blessed in our society to where we have a lot of freedom to go different places, to do different things. And, and uh, it's not uncommon for us, of course, to see children or grandchildren do something that's wildly opposite of what their parents or grandparents did for a living. But in the first century, that, that was not the case. And so when you see here that Gabriel is going to Mary and that Mary is from Nazareth, don't read past that. The fact that she's from Nazareth is a big detail because of its insignificance. Very, very likely, I mean, highly likely that Mary was unable to read. 
Most people at this time were unable to read, not educated, especially from Nazareth, poor. That, that, was, their, that was their present and their future. For us, we think of maybe identity not in terms of location, but education, right? So maybe in our day, it would be like, okay, Gabriel visited a person that was not well-educated, right? Like someone that did not come from um, a, a, a great background or did not have a great education, not great training. That's kind of how we would think of it. That's, that's why in John chapter 1, as Philip is talking to Nathaniel about the Messiah, there, there's a, you see here a jab here about Nazareth. Watch this. Let me show it to you. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, look, look at this. We have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Okay, now you and I don't see that as a big deal. But look at this. Nathaniel says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Some of you are sitting there thinking, can anything good come out of Florida State? <laughs> I don't believe that, but some of you believe that, okay? That's kind of how we would think of it, right? Like, like if you roll through the, the presidents of the United States, right, the overwhelming majority of them would come from some educational background that our Society would deem significant. Harvard, Yale, whatever the case may be. And so you just get the sense here, okay, that Mary and Joseph are coming from a place that no one would have respected. Nazareth was a poor farming community with a few hundred people and no significance whatsoever. I mean, to say it was a hole in the wall would be a disservice to a hole in the wall. <laughs> Okay, so don't just read past that. If you're new to the Christmas story, don't read past that. This is like profoundly significant. But yet, Gabriel is sent by the Lord to intersect Mary of Nazareth, okay? Now look at what he says to her in verses 28 and 29. So Gabriel says to her, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Remember, we saw last week that when angels appear to human beings, the response is always fear and awe. It's never, oh, cool. Like, like we are overwhelmed as human beings with the glory of one who is pure and powerful. And, and so Mary finds herself in this situation where she's in like some kind of mixture of fear and awe. And, and she's contemplating like what she's seeing with what she's hearing because what she's hearing is that she's seeing the angel because she's favored, but yet she's overwhelmed with fear. And so she's trying to understand what does it mean that I'm favored when I've got this majestic, glorious figure in front of me that I'm fearing may take my life. She's processing all this in the moment, right? It's kind of like maybe you're sitting at home one weekend, minding your own business, right? And... Um, and the state police barge in your house. They break down your front door. And, and, and they inform you that the governor needs to meet with you ASAP. <laughs> now, you would have some mixture of fear and awe, right? Like this kind of shock and like, uh-oh, am I in trouble? Am I, you know, what, what, what's going on here? And that's Mary. She's, she's overwhelmed by this, okay? And so look at verses 30 and 
in 31 and following. Here's what Gabriel says. So don't be afraid, Mary. He says, I love this. He's trying to comfort her. Don't be afraid for you have found favor with God. That's an important phrase. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever for his kingdom will never end. Now that may appear to be good news if you're reading this story for the first time, but for Mary, this is very troubling because she's engaged to be married. She's not yet married. We're on the opposite end of the spectrum from (laughs) Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were a part of the leading the way ministry. And, um, you know, Gabriel's like, hey, you all are going to have a son. They're like, there's no way this can happen. Mary is young. She's a teenager. She's engaged to be married, which in this society meant they had about a year-long engagement. It was legally binding. Their parents would have been involved in the arrangement, which is something we should bring back. (laughs) And it was a really, really big deal. I mean, it was kind of, you know, the phrase signed, sealed, delivered. It was signed and sealed, just not yet delivered. They haven't yet kind of walked the aisle, so to speak, and, and had their wedding. But everything else, legally speaking, was signed and sealed. And therefore, for Mary to become pregnant outside of this Marriage was a really, really, really big deal. And as I've said, Nazareth is a small town. I mean, it's one of those towns, right, where like everybody knows everybody else's business. There's no hope that Mary's going to fly under the radar here. And so Gabriel says, you're favored. Gabriel says, hey, don't fear. Gabriel says, hey, I've got a good word for you. You're gonna be pregnant with a son and he is gonna be the son of God. He's, he's gonna be the son of the most high. He's going to reign through the lineage of David over Israel now forever and ever. In other words, he's gonna be the Messiah, right? And, and, and so Gabriel's outlining Mary's role, but look at verses 34 to 37. Now notice Mary's response. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? For I am a virgin. Now, some of you may be thinking, now, wait a minute, what's the difference here between Mary and Zechariah? Zechariah was doubtful. Zechariah had issues and therefore he was able, if you recall, to, um, to speak and, until his son is born. And, and Mary kind of is like, hold up, how can this happen? Now, let me show you the difference though between these two questions, okay? Zechariah was doubting or questioning the fact that Elizabeth's pregnancy could happen at all, whereas Mary is questioning not if it can happen, but how. There's a huge difference between those types of doubts. There's a difference between doubting that God can do something and questioning how God is going to do something. Mary is the latter, not the former. Zechariah was the former. Zechariah is seemingly trying to inform Gabriel, excuse me, sir, this cannot happen. And Gabriel has to say, excuse me, sir, this is going to happen. 
And uh, now because you have doubted that it can happen, you're not going to be able to speak until your son is born. Whereas Mary is not, no, this can't happen. Mary's like, okay, how? I'm a virgin. I'm not questioning that it can. I'm, I'm wondering how. It's a reminder of what the old church father Anselm used to say, that Christianity is faith-seeking understanding. We are a people of faith, a people who walk by faith. And there are times when we don't fully understand the how God is going to do what he's promised to do. We don't doubt that he can do it. We don't even doubt that he will do it. But we, we seek understanding concerning the how. If you've ever found yourself in a situation where you're unsure about what God is doing, you find yourself like many of us have found ourselves for 2,000 years, like the great church father Anselm who said, no, Christianity is faith-seeking understanding. This is Mary. Because Mary, in essence, is saying to Gabriel, hey, Gabriel, I don't know how it works in the angel world, but in the human world, there is no procreation without a little recreation. <laughs> and um, I'm, not, I'm not doubting that God can do what you're saying that he's going to do or that he will, do, but I'm, I'm seeking understanding on the how here because I'm engaged, but I'm not yet married. And, and that prompts Gabriel to tell her, now look, look at this, he replies, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. What's more, look at this, this is evidence. God weaving together now the story of Elizabeth and Mary, right? Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For, I love this, the word of God will never fail. God will do what he says he's going to do. Even when it seems impossible to us, God will do what he's promised to do. And Gabriel's helping Mary to understand that what's going to happen with you is not through a man, as was the case with Elizabeth. No, this is going to be the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's a reminder to us that God does extraordinary things through extraordinary faith. And as a part of this series, really our emphasis is on the fact that if you will bring faith to the table, God will take care of the rest because his word never fails. And we've seen here that Christmas is a reminder. We saw this last week, that Christmas is a reminder that for all of us who know and love God and all of us who are seeking to honor God in our lives and all of us who are living for eternity, right? We, we are men and women who are walking by faith. That is the key characteristic of our lives, right? This is what sets us apart from the rest of the world. We are a people who are walking by faith. And that's what Zechariah and Elizabeth were called to do. That's what Mary is now called to do. She's given the explanation. She's given the how. But now she's going to have to walk by faith. And there's some things we learn with both Zechariah and Elizabeth now and Mary and Joseph that I think remind us about what it means to walk by faith. And it gives us some encouragement as to why we must 
And that's one of the beautiful things about Christmas every year, this season to be reminded that if you wanna walk with the Lord in a profound, meaningful way, you're gonna have to walk by faith. Everything in your life is not gonna make perfect sense. We don't have reasons to every circumstance, but we trust the God who does and we walk by faith. Let me, let me just highlight a couple of practical things that I hope to encourage you with in terms of our journey coming from Mary and Joseph. First of all, listen, let me remind you that God does extraordinary things through extraordinary faith, right? And so when we walk by faith, listen to me, we walk, although some people will never understand our journey. Let me encourage you, to, let me challenge you today to continue to walk by faith, to continue to walk, not in a blind faith, but in a faith that is earned by the work of God in human history. We walk by faith, even though some people will never understand. May I, may I just highlight for you the tension with Mary? The fact that Gabriel appears to her, let me go back to that phrase where he says, you have found favor with God. Do you understand how ludicrous that is from a human perspective? Favor, do you know what kind of favor Mary was incurring from God? She would have potentially been disowned by her parents and Joseph's. She potentially was shamed by her society. She could have been divorced by Joseph. She could have been in a place to have never found a husband, friends no longer associating with her, carrying a scarlet letter with her every single day of her life. There were few things that could have been and would have been more repulsive to her community, her little community in Nazareth, than a pregnancy out of wedlock as one who was legally bound to a future husband. And she would be, as a teenage girl, carrying a child out of wedlock with the excuse of, it's the Holy Spirit's fault. Knowing that most people would not understand or believe. And yet Gabriel says to her, you are favored. I can imagine Mary sitting there contemplating Gabriel's words, thinking I'm about to give birth to a son. And when I fill out the birth certificate, I'll have no father listed. Mary sitting there thinking about how her parents will react, how Joseph's parents will react. Her community, her small community And I know there are certain segments of our society that put too much of an emphasis on Mary. They pray to her and they look to her to forgive sin, which by the way, Mary cannot do. But listen, we also should never minimize Mary and her role and her faith because her willingness to trust God and to embrace what he has asked her to do is incredible. She is the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And her faith in that moment to say to Gabriel, may it be as you have said, is incredible. Because the favor at this point does not seem very favorable, does it? 
but yet she walks by faith. The stigma of a pregnancy out of wedlock actually followed Mary and Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. We aren't given many insights into this social dynamic, but we know it existed. Just, just, just so you understand the gravity that Mary was asked to carry. There's a moment in Jesus' ministry when he's going at it with the Pharisees, right? These legalists who were opposing his ministry. And Jesus at one point did not mince any words. Let me show you John 8. Jesus says, well, you all are imitating your real father, talking about the devil. Jesus kind of calling it what it was, right? Jesus says, you are imitating your real father. And I just want to show you how they respond. They say to Jesus, no, 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 no. We aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Now just let me pause there. Them saying to Jesus, no, 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 we aren't the ones who were illegitimate is a direct reference to Mary's pregnancy out of wedlock. You think this stigma didn't follow her? It followed Jesus. The Pharisees at one point mocking Jesus. No, 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 excuse me. You're the one who was born illegitimately, not us. But yet she walks forward in faith. Now, what do we learn from this? Listen, here's what we learn. That when you walk with the Lord, there are gonna be some people in your life who don't know Jesus and don't know the Lord and they will not understand how you live your life. Let me say it this way. When the favor of God rests on you, when he brings you to repentance of your sin and you embrace the work of Jesus on the cross and through his bodily resurrection and you commit to love him and follow him all the days of your life, when your citizenship flips from an earthly citizenship to a heavenly citizenship, when you go from darkness to light, when you go from death to life, not everyone is gonna understand. Not everyone is going to support. Not everyone is going to encourage. You cannot faithfully walk with the Lord and make everyone in your life happy. Your coworkers will not all understand. Your family will not all understand. Some of your friends will not all understand. And that's okay. We walk by faith knowing and believing that all God does is good and that what he has done through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is life-changing and eternity-shaping and therefore we're willing to walk in that favor even though it means we will be unfavorable to others. And if that's your story, I wanna encourage you today to keep walking with the Lord in faithful obedience. If it means that you stand out on business trips, so be it. If it means that you stand out among your family gatherings, so be it. If it means that some of your friends, your lifelong friends don't fully understand or appreciate your kindness, your generosity, your walk with the Lord, the differences in your life, that's okay. Jesus told us that to walk with him is to walk on the narrow road, not the wide road. 
But yet we understand, do we not, those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, that there is nothing better than being on that narrow road with him. And if it means that we are insulted, if it means that we are misunderstood, if it means that some will not go with us or travel with us, if it means that we lose some friendships over it or some family members' relationships are strained, so be it. We will do everything we can do to walk with the Lord because when he favors you, there is nothing better but not everyone's gonna go with you. Not everyone's gonna understand. I just want you to feel that tension that no doubt Mary felt that her favoring necessarily meant that there would be some who disfavored her. And that's okay when you walk by faith. You walk with the Lord knowing that not everyone will understand. Secondly though, you walk by faith. Here's a grounding point of Gabriel's message because God's word never fails. Man, this is our hope. This is our confidence. God's word never fails. This is Gabriel's message to Mary, right? He's like, hey, listen, no, God's word will not fail. He will do all these promises. What seems to be impossible for us is possible for God. I'm reminded of, of, of just several moments in human history where God's reminding his people of this foundational principle. Genesis 18, let me take you back again to Abraham and Sarah, right? Here's what the scripture says. Abraham and Sarah were both very old. They're in leading the way. <laughs> and Sarah was long past the age of having children. And so she laughed silently to herself. When God told Abraham that she would have a son, right? And she said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my husband, my master is so old? <laughs> that would look great on like a birthday card, wouldn't it? Like she's just calling a spade a spade. Like this, like she hears the Lord, like Abraham, you're gonna have a son. I promised you a son, you're gonna have a son. And they were older than Zechariah and Elizabeth, by the way. And Sarah hears this and she begins to chuckle to herself. She doesn't think anyone can hear her. And she's like, well, I know I'm old and I'm, man, I'm, mm, yeah, I mean, look at this guy. <laughs> and so the Lord shows up to Abraham, right? And he says, why did Sarah laugh? And why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? And look at what the Lord says. Is anything too hard or difficult for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And you know what they named that son? Laughter. I'm reminded of Job 42, all that Job endured, all the hardship. By the way, the ridicule of his friends who did not understand. And Job says to the Lord at the end of his trial, I know that you can do all things or anything and that no one can stop you. Jeremiah 32, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and your powerful arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Listen, given the fact that God has created the heavens and the earth out of nothing is evidence that he can do anything he wants to do. He's already done the most difficult thing of all, and that is to create out of nothing everything that exists. And therefore, Jeremiah, reflecting on this years before, 
right? Space travel, right? Years before we went to the moon, Jeremiah understood, okay, God, if you can create all of this, there is truly nothing too difficult for you. And so I just want to remind you, if, if you find yourself in a difficult situation, you're walking by faith, but like Mary, maybe you don't fully understand the how. You don't doubt the can, but you're trying to seek the understanding of how. And there are others around you that don't understand. Listen, keep pressing on because God's promises will never fail. His word will never fail. He is with you. He loves you. And then finally, let me just tell you, we walk by faith then because his kingdom never ends. We are part of a kingdom that will never end. We're not living for this world. This world is perishing. This world is broken. This world is messed up. Our bodies are failing. Our bodies are wasting away, right? But we're a part of a kingdom that never will. And one day this Jesus who came in the form of a human being through the normal birth process, who lived as a normal human being, this, this, this Jesus will return and give evidence that he is more than just this child who lived. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we are a part of this kingdom with our king that will never end. Can I just give you a good word today? Jesus will not face any recount votes in the eternal state. We are headed toward an eternal state that is a monarchy. If you can't wait to get to heaven and vote on stuff, you are sorely mistaken. There will be no Baptist business meetings in heaven. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now listen, this is not a democracy. I love that we live in a democracy now. Do you know why? Because there is no king to lead us here who is righteous and just and wise. So I, I wouldn't trade places with anybody else in the world. But let me tell you something. Our hope is not tied to a democracy. Our hope is tied to a monarchy where the King of kings and the Lord of lords will reign forever in justice and righteousness and wisdom. That's where we are headed, right? That's where we're headed. <laughs> and we will live with him in peace and harmony and joy forever. This is our hope. And I know when you're struggling, you're frustrated, you're doubting, you're hurting, when there, maybe you're getting that pressure of people around you this time of year that don't understand. I know when you're trying to walk with the Lord, you're trying to stay true and faithful. I know it gets difficult and weary. Just don't forget that his word will never fail and that his kingdom will never end. And if you are a citizen of that kingdom, that is your true home. And so we press on. You see, Mary here reminds us what walking by faith looks like. It means that we have the favor of God, <laughs> even though we will earn the disfavor of others. It means we lean into the word of God that will not fail and that we tether our hope to a kingdom that will never end. This is the reminder of Christmas. You know what I envision here when I think about just the Christian's role in our society? I think of a high school basketball game. <laughs> now, just wait, let me explain. Okay. My kids play sports, they play, you know, my boys play basketball. They play for some really bad teams. Now, you know, we're from Ohio, we're north of the Mason Dixon line. 
we play football. Basketball just gets us through the winter until we get to spring football. Okay, that's the only reason we have basketball up there, all right? I know some of you from the south and basketball is, can't, I get it, okay? I'm praying for you, okay? Um, no, I love basketball. My boys love basketball. They play on some really bad teams. You know what I've noticed? This is what I appreciate about high school basketball. You know, they have cheerleaders. And these poor cheerleaders. You ever notice this? I'm sure you've seen this. I'm not the only one who's seen this. It's 48 to 10 in the third quarter, and the other team is winning. And those sweet cheerleaders come out on every timeout. Yeah, go team! And we're losing 48 to 10, and they come out. Woo! Yeah, let's go! And all the parents are sitting there like, oh, can we just go home already? And nobody's saying the cheers. Nobody's chanting with them. Nobody. It's 48 to 10, and it's about to be 80 to 12. At the Like nobody's cheering. But yet they come out after the third quarter. Yeah, woo, let's go. Pom-poms. They got their cheers. They practice. They don't look like this. This is the best I can do. All right. And they come out and they cheer the whole, like, you know what I'm thinking? This is just so you understand how cynical. I'm just like, can we just turn this off? <laughs> Give it up. We don't need, like, we, it's, it's 85 to 4. Just, we don't need it. But they come right on out. They practice those cheers and you're going to get them whether you want them or not. I love that, man. I mean, hey, you want to talk about commitment? They, these, these people are committed. And they're cheering all the way through. We make a free throw. Woo! <laughs> we made one! <laughs> yeah, we made one. You know, my son gets in the car. Oh, great game, buddy. Woo, did you hear those cheerleaders? Great job. Y'all scored three points. Man, I'm so proud of you. It's great. They cheer right on through. And you know what, like if I could give you a silly analogy of what sometimes the Christian life is, all, you know what, I think there's some people around us at times when they look at the condition of this world, when they look at the brokenness of our world, but yet, you know what happens in this room, you know what happens at all of our campuses every Sunday morning, people come in here and we sing for joy to the Lord. And I know some of you have some people in your life looking into you like, why do you always walk around with a smile on your face? Like, why do you keep cheering for us? You're listening to the Bell Shoals worship album, Born Unto Us, in your car, and you're like, yeah, angels. You're listening, you got that silky smooth voice of Jason Millsaps in your ear. <laughs> and you got somebody that doesn't know Jesus, maybe you work with, you all going to lunch, and like, why are, you, why are you always so joyful? It's the third quarter, our world is broken and messed up, but you're still cheering. You know why we are cheering? Because this world is not our home. And I know what the scoreboard says right now, but I'm living my life based on a different scoreboard. <laughs> and that scoreboard just says one to nothing. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, that was the final victory. And therefore, we do what we do in this broken world with the favor of God on us, with the assurance that God's word will never fail us and we're a part of a kingdom that will never end. 
And sometimes that brings the disfavor of others, but that's okay. You keep pressing on. And that's why, Bell Shoals, we do this little thing every year. This, well, I say every year. This is our second year of doing it, but we're going to keep doing it every year. All right. <laughs> called, called the Real Hope Christmas Party. And we had it yesterday. This doesn't make a lot of sense to a world that doesn't know Jesus. Have y'all heard about inflation? Y'all know how messed up our world is? But yet we have this, there's like this group of cheerleaders in, in West Central Florida. And in this little group we call Bell Shoals Church gave, I mean, I literally, I, we don't even know, I, I mean, I don't know the math on this. I mean, tens upon tens of thousands of dollars, bikes and gifts and gift cards. I mean, there's, I don't, and time and energy so that we could be a blessing to a people that we don't even know. And we had hundreds of families and children with us yesterday. Let me show you some pictures of the Real Hope Christmas party. This is here at our Brandon campus. We got these kids together. We, we um, man, I'm telling you, it's awesome. We get them together. We, uh, we had some gingerbread houses they could make. We, we had an amazing meal. Um, we had some fun activities and singing. We, um, we, we shared the gospel and walked them through the Christmas story. Um, and then, let me tell you what we did. This is the God of the possible. We had snow. Like we had this thing, I'm telling you, it was awesome. There it is. Like uh, we tell the, we, we, we shared the gospel. We walked into the Christmas story. We actually invited some kids to actually help illustrate. They're there, they're dressed up as the shepherds and we're telling the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus and all this. And then at the end of this, boom, like these machines go off and it starts snowing. How cool is that? And then we, we brought them all around by the fountain outside and, um, and Pastor Jaime from our Espanol campus and I were there and I translated for Jaime that I do every year. Okay, and we say, hey, we got one more thing we want to do today. We, we've got some gifts to give you, you know, and we love you. Once you come back to Bell Shoals Church, we love you. Hey, five, four, three, two, one, boom, these kids would run in and they, listen, they come in and they got these huge boxes and they got the bicycles. My man, Trayvell, check that out, man. He was pumped, baby. He was pumped. He was pumped. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, man, these kids, these caretakers, listen, um, this is a little girl I, I happen to be with. And um, she had a brother there you can kind of see behind her. And uh, I was there talking with her. She says, I, I think maybe she got a bike. It was too big or something. And um, so she didn't think she could get a bike, you know. She was like, oh. And, and so she was real sweet. She was fine. So I said, oh, no, 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 sweetheart, we got it. And I don't even know, like, somehow, you know, our team, boom, came up. And they, they brought her this bike, and she, she just lost it. I mean, she was just overwhelmed, started crying. And I'm like, is this good tears, bad tears? Like, I don't know, you're not like the She loved it. Listen, I don't know which one of you provided that bike, okay? But she loved it. She was overwhelmed, couldn't believe it. Sat there and cried for like two minutes. And then, um, and then we, uh, man, we went outside. There's, <laughs> we got, we're breaking traffic laws. We, we don't invite the sheriff's office here. Because, um, I mean, we got kids on bikes flying around. They're playing with their toys. I mean, people crying. It's just amazing. It's amazing. And to the world, that's got to be a little awkward. We're kind of like these cheerleaders who just keep right on cheering when things are seemingly at their worst. But, yeah, man, we're keep going. To the extent, let me tell you about this. The little boy there in the gray, one of our uh, 
He was actually, he was one of our animals. Because <laughs> this year what we did, we had the kids, um, like I said, we, we, we kind of had them participate in the Christmas story, right? We had our shepherds and we had our animals. And he was, uh, he was a donkey. And so his job was to say, hee-haw, <laughs> that was his job. And one of all, let me just say that one of our volunteers with that sweet young man was explained to him, hey, you wanna be part of the play? Yeah, and what's a play? All right, let me explain this to you. And so he's like, hey, we're gonna have you go up on stage and you're gonna say, hee-haw, you're gonna be a donkey. And he got real nervous. He was like, I don't know if I wanna do this. Oh, it's okay, it's, you know, it's, a, it's our favorite animal around here. I don't know what they said, they got. And um, so he did it, had some fun. Here's what, you know what we found out? Here's what he told us. He's like, he asked, this is, Absolutely the truth. He said, well, what story am I doing? What is it? What am I doing? What story is this? And we said, this is the Christmas story, the story of Jesus. And he said, I've never heard that story. We asked him to be an animal in the Christmas story. He got nervous because he's never heard the Christmas story. And because of your generosity, because of your kindness, because of your joyful giving, because of your belief that Jesus is the savior of the world and it's our privilege to tell everyone we can't about him, that young man came yesterday and for the first time heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Isn't that good? Man, I'm praying for that young man. I hope one day God calls him to ministry and he's preaching on some stage somewhere in America and he says, I was the donkey in a Christmas play. And God brought me to Jesus. Do you feel that tension, Bell Shoals? We're giving, we're sharing, we're singing, we're worshiping. We're walking by faith. It's getting into the fourth quarter, I can promise you that. At some point, the, the, the horn's gonna sound and the Lord's gonna return. And there are some people who don't understand our joy, our generosity. They don't understand why we gather, why we serve, why we give. They don't get it. We get it. Because there is a king that has been born unto us, a savior born unto us. His name is Jesus. And yeah, he was raised in Nazareth as a reminder that he came for all of us. <laughs> and if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus, you don't know this savior, you've never asked him to, to forgive you of your sin, I wanna urge you to do that today. I'll be standing out in our lobby as you leave today. I'd love to connect with you. We'll have members of our connection team there to greet you. I'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're like Mary. You're, you're in a place where you have faith, seeking understanding. That's okay. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep walking by faith. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. His word will never fail. His kingdom will never end. <laughs> and so we're gonna keep on doing what we do. And we'd love to have you partner with us.